His name is Heston Blumenthal. He's spent a lifetime journeying to the centre of food to discover its secrets. And now he's invited us along for the adventure. My name's Jay Taylor, Heston's longtime TV producer, and now your host. And on today's podcast, it's all around us, in everything we eat, it's fundamental to life on this planet, but we take it almost completely for granted. Today we are exploring water and its remarkable impact on our cooking, eating and living. So get your water wings ready as without further ado we meet the man who's always jumping feet first into deep water, Heston Blumenthal. Hello Heston. How are you today, chappies? Very good, lovely to see you. Speedos on chaps, we ready for some water? I've got mine here. Have so you? you can pick that up on a mic. Your speedos or your water? No, my water, not my speedos. <laughs> All right. I don't, <laughs> I think, you, I don't think even audibly you're ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still the leopard skin ones? Of course. <laughs> Always. Uh, now, James isn't in Pod HQ today. You are somewhere else. No, you escaped. Uh, yeah, I've, aven- I've ventured into the to the big smoke of London for 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 a day to to the Victorian Albert Museum in in sort of um, South Kensington, Cromwell Road. I am. They very kindly lent me one of their. Um, I think it's a. I imagine some very deep thinking goes on in here. It's like a conference room. Um, But really, we're here (laughs) because we're installing an exhibit uh, for an upcoming Alice in Wonderland exhibition, which opens at the end of May here, where um, one of Heston's marvellous creations, as it were, is being transformed into an exhibit permanently to, to, to be viewed by, hopefully, millions and millions of people. It's very exciting. The mock turtle soup. This is fantastic, Heston. You've got your food is now going into museums. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was going to go into something which was, was trying to be maybe slightly philosophical, and it would have been just completely downright stupid. So I won't go. I won't go there. I hope there's going to be a statue of you next to it as well, sort of naked statue, like Atlantis. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I mean, I, I've the VNA. I've done talks there before. Um, it's an incredible museum. Um, and it's one of those, kind of, you know, that, those sort of smell the roses moments. Never would I have imagined a dish has gone into the, an exhibition in the V&A. This is really exciting. It's an it? extraordinary place. And obviously, from my own personal point of view today, it's totally empty. It is like night or day in a museum. There's maybe some, some people jet washing the garden. There's some, some people milling around, sort of doing some general cleaning. They're putting a new floor down. There's, but there's nobody else here. Oh, you've got to go and poke something expensive while you have the opportunity. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm literally holding my breath. I dared touch anything. One of the dresses. <laughs> one of the old queen or the emperor's dresses. <laughs> and that's even, I'm not sure if that's even worse than the, than the leopard skin speedos or Imagine not. the pictures when he's arrested wearing Queen Victoria's dress. <laughs> I could see the shocked look on his face. Oh, I've squeezed myself into an old samurai outfit. Esther yes. Blumenthal yeah, told me to do it. It's, we're developing a new recipe. As they're carting me off, I'll be shouting, Journey to the Centre of Food. <laughs> yes, Subscribe. <laughs> Help. So uh, on yeah. that point, please do <laughs> subscribe. If uh, if we get a certain number of subscribers, we'll make sure that James steals a dress from the V&A. Uh, and please do leave all of your messages and uh, reviews and comments because it does mean a great deal. And we've had people getting in touch with us. Heston's podcast at gmail.com and at Heston's podcast on Instagram. Unfortunately, this is not this does not bode well for us, these, these correspondences, because a couple of weeks ago, Heston went rogue and decided to start setting st- setting challenges I know what to you're our listeners. Say. I'm loving yeah. it already, and, and and asking them to send in the most disgusting food ideas they could, which he then gleefully volunteered we would all try. Uh, and obviously, they've been doing that. Uh, Alice Parker has got in touch. Hi, Heston's podcast crew. Love the podcast. Thanks for sharing Heston's mind. I'm not so sure now after this. Um, I honestly hesitated to send this email because food in Vietnam is amazing and I don't wish to talk them down. I highly recommend a trip here post-COVID if you haven't been. I really want to go, actually. It was a place on one of my list. That being said, in the two years I've lived here, I've experienced a few foods that are challenging to Westerners. All of these foods are easily available at Vietnam in normal restaurants or even just by the side of the road, which is not a great selling point in itself. Okay, the first two, I've eaten both myself, are more of a textual issue than flavour, I'd say. We have boiled chicken feet and jellyfish salad. Have you had either of those? Both. Have you? Oh, and what are they like? Yeah, and I I actually like... I've had had chicken feet in um, Chinese restaurants before. I had maybe once or twice in the UK, in London, and once or twice in China. 
they are both they're sort of the bone is you know when i'm saying you know <laughs> you know i'm gonna say something you know when you do da 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 actually and then people look at me going no that's not no. normal <laughs> I love the end of, you know, a ch- on a chicken leg, you have that cartilaginous bit, that knuckle on the end yeah. of the bone. I like that. Oh, I don't like that bit. And yeah, and if you, if you, so we, and if you, yes, honestly, know, you've gone so far you know when you eat food, those, you those, those knuckle bones <laughs> on the end of it. No, we, but if you pressure cook those, we did this for Tim, the um, peak in his, well, in the, 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 the sort of gastronomic uh, stew we did. Um, where we took the cartilaginous bit, when you cut a chicken breast, so you cut the breast off the chicken, and, and between the breasts, there's a, there's a ridge. There's a, there's a sort of cartilage. That, again, it's, it's crunchy, but if you put it in a pressure, pressure cooker, it breaks down and goes, it goes quite rich, soft texture. So you, it's, the texture of the bone is somewhere between that softness and that, and, and that, that knuckle texture, but then you've got the skin. And it's sort of gelatinous at the same time. And it, I suppose it depends on the source that's, um, that's around it. There's no so claws left in it, right? It's taken the claws out. Um, well, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. You eat the don't. claws. You don't eat the claws. You're not chewing your own nails. You kind of spit them out a little bit, like pips. Yeah, well, I mean, I, do you know what? Thinking about it, I don't remember. I just ate them. But the, the, over, the general overall experience was, I wouldn't say they were the most memorable things I've ever eaten, but it was quite pleasurable. Mm. Do you remember we were in, well, that was where it was. We were in Russia yeah. and we'd been in Siberia faffing around and we came back to Moscow and we had this fixer with us, this lovely British Russian guy who wanted to take us to a fancy yeah. Russian restaurant. And we turned up at this place, which was illustriously fancy, but there was a mm. big guy outside the front door who said, no, 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 the restaurant's shut. There's an electrical problem. And, our, and we went, oh, fair enough. I and remember. our fix went, no, this is yeah. preposterous. There's some oligarch in there who shut the place down. They do this all the time. And he kicked off a huge stink. Do you remember he was shouting, going, how mm. dare you? Don't you know who we are? Yeah. <laughs> so the guy sheepishly let us in, and it was an electrical problem. So we all sort of left with our tails under our legs. And, and we went around the corner yeah. to a place where we had like a brasserie. Coxcomb. And you said, oh, you'll like this. <clears throat> and I really did. And I never thought coxcomb it was another one of those really gelatinous things right but it was fantastic yeah you yes it's gelatin- when we we ha- used to have a, a cod dish on at the fat duck with a pea puree lentils and, and a coxcomb and i remember we cut we trimmed the coxcomb and stood up so it sort of looked like the imagine the images of the loch ness monster <laughs> sticking sort of t-shaped sticking up a, 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 on the plate and i remember once we served it a woman, the, a woman said it's a real coxcomb but on the menu, it said coxcomb, um, but it is quite a it's quite um, a classical French gastronomic ingredient. I know what she meant though, because I didn't believe it. I thought it was one of those things where it was referencing something else. I didn't think it was actual going to be an actual coxcomb. Yeah, def- definitely. And I so so that it's it's textural, and I can imagine for maybe a lot of people in the UK, it might be slightly challenging if you think about if you think about it more of a coxcomb think about it slightly mushroomy in texture but the chicken feet again it you know some people just don't like the thought of of the teeth touching a bone gary my old head chef bless him um it was and is a brilliant uh brilliant chef he's i love him he uh if he found a fish bone, a bone in his fish on his plate, let's say the fish came with mashed potato and spinach, for example, he couldn't eat anything. He wouldn't even touch the spinach if he had a bone in his mouth. And it, it didn't even have to get stuck in his mouth. He just had it and pulled it out. So, you know, the, the, an arresting sort of textural contrast for people, it, it can be arresting. It can be quite shocking. And, and likewise, jellyfish salad, which is also very Japanese, um the texture is sort of ah you know now people would might have had more experience with there's a type of seaweed that's that's in shreds it's sort of slightly it's braised green and comes in strips like a salad absolutely um and can sometimes get stuck in your teeth and it's got a slight springy crunch to it yeah exactly well that's jelly for jellyfish salad the jellyfish is just a bit more extreme in its texture but it's similar to that but again if you're not used to it, it can be challenging. 
As you know on this podcast, a big deal for Heston and us is obviously mindfulness when it comes to cooking and eating and general well-being. And I think we can all probably agree that those aspects have taken a little bit of a beating over the past year. All of us are feeling the effects of COVID and the lockdown quite significantly in terms of our sleep or just our general mental well-being. Well, the great news is we have a fantastic offer for you on the World Leader in helping you sort that out. Calm. Yes, that's right. Calm. The app on your phone that we've all heard of and 100 million people around the world have downloaded to help take care of their minds. Well, they've come to us and given us a fantastic opportunity to share this product with you. They are the number one mental wellness app and they give you the tools to improve the way you feel. You can clear your head with guided daily meditations. You can improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories narrated by soothing voices like Killian Murphy and Stephen Fry. Now, if you go to calm.com forward slash Heston, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% of a Calm premium subscription. And this includes hundreds of hours of programming and new content being added every week. You can sleep more, you can stress less, and you can live better with Calm, which I think is something that we would all like a bit of right now. So for all you guys listening, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com forward slash Heston. So just go to calm, C-A-L-M dot com slash Heston, H-E-S-T-N, for 40% off unlimited access to the whole of Calm's library. Calm.com forward slash Heston and hopefully we can all start improving our mental health right now right let's get back to the show Japan also they have these uh, uh, and other parts of Asia not just Japan but they'll, they'll have little squids where they candy them so they, they're coated in sort of maybe could be sesame seeds and stuff and a sort of a candy That's me. so they're, they're, they're sort of neither I don't know if they're, they're considered in that culture, sweet or savoury, but they're sort of fishy sweet. It's a bit like sweet and sour. I've seen them done sweet and sour where they have that bright red coating on them, which is what you traditionally yeah. associate with a sweet and sour the, thing. These are cold in packets. Oh, God, really? You, you, you buy them as like a snack, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm loving this. So this means, we, Jay, you do know, you do realise that there is mounting pressure on no, you. You've had, these. you've had these, so these don't count. I don't have to have these now. We've got to find ones you haven't had. She, she also said, "Okay, well, 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 well James, do you, would you agree? Like, if, if the three of us had a vote, that, that maybe um, it seems to me that Jay might be the person that is sort of putting this off the most, yes. and the pressure, therefore, the spotlight is actually moving towards him. No one wants to hear me eating disgusting and, food. And, 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 disgusting. and his face. <laughs> well, this. So, so we we will ha- we do need because otherwise uh, it's not fair it's not fair on, on on all the people that have thought about this and made a mm. made an effort to contact us um so we will have to go through with it oh well i'm up for that i'm up for it, it. Well, 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 when we finally can get together we'll record one of these in the same room yeah exactly then i can have throw up all over of, you of, <laughs> well hopefully yes. into and, the and, and thank you uh, please please keep sending them because that means that means there'll be a mounting list. Well, they, they, they are. Um, Alice also suggests fertilised eggs, chicken and duck. Uh, they have an aroma and texture that's quite challenging. Have you had those? Fertilised. Fertilised eggs. Yeah. Oh, no, I've, I, I've heard, I've never eaten this, but they used to eat in China eggs where they would leave the, where the, the, the embryo, which starts, starts to grow into a chicken. Oh, come on. Yeah, I've never, I've never, I've never eaten it. I bet we're not going to be able to get those over here, though, are we? He says, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, it sounds, I mean, it sounds shocking, but in fact, if you if you eat chickens and you eat yeah, eggs, that's a good point. That's a good point. Then you eat pusan, which is a baby chicken. You know, it's. I mean, it's an interesting point for discussion. But okay, uh, so we're trying to get hold of some of those. Yeah, I've had. There's, there's, there's the old. So they, they, they're in, in Singapore or Philippines. They have um, eggs that they put in earth for. A, Otherwise, they're slightly fermented. But then you've got the the Chinese ones, which are the is it the thousand year old egg? The fa- and if you see an image oh, of those, yeah, James, we about that, they're we? green. Mm. That's oh, one of those situations. Me, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, <laughs> it's sulphur. Yeah. yeah, they're full of sulphur, so it, it smells like rotten egg. I mean, there's a rotten egg element to it. But I I do remember also in India they use sulphur. Um, there's like a sulfur salt that on its own, you think, why would you use this? But if it's used properly, 
as a spice. It adds an extra richness to the dish. It's a bit like, you know that fish sauce? Uh, there's, it's called squid brand. You buy it in supermarkets. You use it in Thai, thai cooking. Um, for example, if you smell the fish sauce, you think, oof, you wouldn't want to eat it. Um, but a few drops in a stew or curry actually adds an extra level of sort of umami and richness. Salt for salt so, sounds really interesting. Yeah, I'd love to encounter that because, like you say, it, means it's, it makes it, sense, right? I love this because it's just different cultures. You can't, say, look at another culture's cooking and say, uh, it's disgusting. Well, it might be disgusting for you, but it isn't blanket disgusting, otherwise nobody would eat yeah. it. Like you said, well, someone's so it's up just in Scandinavia in culture. eating those buried, recovered fish they have up there. I mean, someone must like it. Oh, there's a, I, I saw a clip. Somebody showed me. I think it went viral. It's a, it's a father and son outside, and they've bought this tin of uh, either from Finland or, or, or Sweden or somewhere in Scandinavia, and you could see the tin has slightly expanded. It's fish. It's tin fish. I don't know what they do to the fish, but that, now that is one of the most challenging things I've eaten. And when he opens the tin, because the tin's expanded, so he opens it, it just spurts oh. out this liquid and he, you should, he's, his son's in hysterics. He's gagging. He's, he's going through eating it. Um, I don't know, but it was, it, it's very funny up to a point. I remember we once on um, Channel 4, we were doing a series way back and we were trying to, don't ask why, we were trying to build a car that couldn't be clamped. It was a bit of a jokey thing. It was supposed to be really good fun. Yeah. The car bounced around at the traffic wall and came near it. But we wanted to create the worst smell imaginable to spray out the car to keep people away. And we had a scientist there with us and he had all these test tubes and distillators and he distilled... 20 day old rotten fish into a liquid and it was the most i mean the, i can still taste the smell of it now it was beyond anything you could imagine it was uh, so bad that, that that could be this fish it is so, so it is strong. so bad i mean i can't under i cannot understand how anybody could eat that but people do and i suppose if they if you grow up with it at some point you it becomes you know you adapt to the flavor but for us for, for people that haven't tried it or haven't smelt it, oh. uh, it's quite unimaginable or difficult, at least, to imagine. Just, it smells like if we eat this, we're going to be hospitalised. The ambulance is coming. It just doesn't... I think it's, it's what you said. We're programmed. There's there's very few things we're programmed innately to dislike, but one of them is the smell of, of feces rotting, that kind of pure rot yeah. where your body you is saying, alert, yeah. don't go near this. And that is the sort mm. of perfect pinnacle of that isn't it fish is just so bad oh so and but do you know um worcester sauce apparently with worcester sauce they were fermenting or they were salting anchovies so worcester one of the most important ingredient in worcester sauce is is anchovies is anchovies and tamarind <clears throat> and the story goes that this might have been in india they were they were um salting the the anchovies Maybe in a cave, I might have made that up, wouldn't be the first time. Um, but they're sorted, and then they left basically, they forgot or they left a barrel or something, came out to it, it was disgusting, really horrible. They left it, and then it went past disgustingness and became something else. And that something else formed the basis of Worcestershire sauce or Worcester sauce. Those guys have got to have had some so bottle on them as well to do that, haven't they? It's like, I know what this is, this is so rotten. Well, Try or, or either that or I can't, I'm not going anywhere near it. Mate, you go, no thanks. Now let's leave it there. Shut the cave. Shut the cave. Let's build a new cave. Shut the, Shut the cave. cave. <laughs> and then someone like you would have gone back Just, and go, oh, it's not bad. Oh, to finish on um, to finish on Alice's email, she has one final one. She said, uh, she meant to send an email after the coffee episode. She said, have you heard of yeah. Vietnamese egg coffee? Sounds bad, but it's actually egg, delicious no. coffee with something similar to an Italian meringue on top. Lovely. Thank you, Alice. Amazing suggestions. Have you tried oh. that? Well, that sounds nice. Yeah, thanks, Alice. No, we should definitely have a look at that. I'd love to try. Sounds fun, doesn't it? We, I know there's there's coffee. You know, there, there's coffee. There's all sorts of coffees from animals that either either shit out. They eat, they eat and then shit out stuff, and that, that and that poo is dried and turned into a coffee, or they vomit. I think goats go up mm. and climb up a tree and chew on something, and then they vomit. There's coffee from some form of not squirrels, but maybe an animal like that. That's a bigger. Civet is uh, there a civet coffee? Civet. Yeah. Civet coffee, yeah. That's the worst um, of sauce guy again. Of going, oh, no, we could use that. 
Yeah, well, yeah, this actually sm- it smells like coffee. It's quite the one I had was quite bitter. Mm. Um, well, I think the idea is that obviously the digestive process breaks down some of the outer levels of the coffee berry, doesn't it? I mean, and leaves you with yeah. something which you can then ferment and roast and do what what you want with. But it it it, yeah. it changes it in a way that's not completely abhorrent. But you know, it, it's it's different from just taking the coffee berries off a bush and, and trying to dry them yourself. And, and just before we come on to uh, to the main event, so to speak, and just going back to the thought I had on the VNA, the VNA have the the most just about the most incredible um, collection of historic uh, dresses from you know royal families over the centuries. Unbelievable! If I mean, um, and I thought, I wonder if the clothes that we had designed in the past had affected the way that maybe people sit and the way that they eat in the way that, and then what made me think about it was James in his leopard skin um, speedos, <laughs> speedos uh, and, and getting arrested for wearing a dress uh, all in name, the name of a, a podcast. So, um, <laughs> well, he's sitting there wearing uh, it. James, the, is it affecting how you're eating right now with that corset? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, it's, it's quite tight. <laughs> Apparently, this is one of those things you think you may be making up, as you say, which is obviously the way we roll on this podcast. Yeah. I seem to remember something about women when they had incredibly tight corsets could only eat small amounts of food because they weren't able to digest it or breathe or, or, or chew the way you'd need to because their, their movements were so, so restricted. Or did I completely make that up? Yeah. It, it, no, it must have an effect. There, there must be lots of you know, a cause and effect connections between what we, what we wore and what, and what and how we ate and digested. And what I, what, what made me think of that was that, um, apparently overarm bowling was as a result of the, the women's dresses at the time. It was around there in the days of WG Grace. So, um, again, the story I was, preface this was the, the story goes that uh it might have been with with wg grace but where there were there was a group of people playing and they were they were obviously from the sort of higher echelons of society and um they were underarm they before overarm bowling they'd bowl underarm but the dresses were so ballooned at the waist it couldn't do an underarm bowl Imagine, because the arm, it, they, they were too ballooned. So they went overarm. So, and that was how overarm bowling started in cricket. I hope that's true. That'd be brilliant if it was. It's a great story, isn't it? Well, as you, I remember reading it somewhere as a kid. As you're uh, talking, I am thinking, you know, obviously uh, the things that you've experimented and, 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 and educated me in over the years in terms of the multi-sensory yeah. approach to, to cooking and how textures and the things you're holding and touching make such a difference. I remember the, the fluffy yeah. spoon and your, in your sort of uh, nice uh, counting sheep bedtime relaxing thing yeah. making such a difference. But I was wondering when you were talking there, what if the tactile sensation across your body you think about your, your fingers, but also what if you're wearing something heavy when you're eating? Does that make the food feel thicker and richer? Or if you're wearing yeah, something it light? must make it. It must make a difference. I just had an image. Imagine, imagine if you're a knight in shiny armour. How <laughs> trying to eat soup, clanking away. Make everything. I'm trying to eat yeah, something. Great. How do you? I mean, how do you just? Where's the in your armour? Do you need a, a long spoon? I don't know. And get it through those. To get it through those slits in your helmet. Lots of straws. That's in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> my bird's eye soup. My bird's eye fish fingers. There's another podcast. They had, well, exactly. Yeah, and just the idea that they had sort of everyday armour. <laughs> yes, you know, just, just, yeah, everyday armor. Just to put, yeah, yeah just, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not working today, so I'll put more casual armor on. You know, yeah, <laughs> my Sunday best <laughs> tracksuit armor. Right. So after, after the foolishness, we shall now after move much on. ado about nothing. Exactly. We shall move on to our main event, the thing we're going to be talking about today, and probably something that hasn't immediately sprung to mind, strange as that sounds, to do as a podcast for me, even though Heston's been talking about it for a long time. And it's something that when you initially think about it, as I have, which is, well, water. I mean, come on, what can be so special about it? Water is water is water. Well, the whole point of this is to delve into that. And Heston has many, many, many thoughts on it. Just some top line facts before before we kick off. Um, 
apparently there's the same amount of water on Earth as there was when the Earth was formed. Uh, the water mm-hmm. is composed of two elements, which we know, hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, 97% of the world's water is salty or otherwise undrinkable, and 2% are still locked in ice caps and glaciers. So we only get 1% of it for all of us humans. 75% of the human brain is water, and 75% of a living tree is water, which I never would have expected. So it, it is everything and all around us. But what we're going to be talking about now is is all of Heston's thoughts on this. Now, this is not going to be everything as well. The idea is here, this is a very, very, very deep subject, which we're hopefully going to be coming back to a few times. But Heston, to begin with, take us by the hand and explain to us why water is something we should all be paying a lot more attention to. It's taken me <laughs> 25 years. I mean, I can say it's taken me 54 years. Um, but, you know, working professionally with food and our relationship with food, cooking, ingredients, and eating, and the connection um, with ourselves and, and, and the people around us, that all these things, that, that the wonderful things that food can do and trigger the memory and the emotions involved and the, 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 the multisensory element of our food likings, our, our, our flavour perception, it's such a very complex world. So... Um, over the last, you know, 25 years of, 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 of doing what I've been doing, I've been looking from the world from the outside in, but subconsciously really being fascinated from the ins- about the inside out. So whilst I've been driving forward, just like most people do, I think, on things outside us. So from a chef's point of view, it's all about techniques, ingredients, origin of ingredients, relationship with farmers and and, and, and growers and cheesemakers and winemakers and uh, techniques and equipment and whatever plates you're going to use and uniforms in the restaurant and, you know, all of those things. That's what I call the outside in. The inside out is our relationship with those things. And that relationship really comes down to things like awareness. And there are so many things that our brains or bodies absorb just in one day or in one second there's too much we, you can't notice everything and you know if even something so simple if a drive if a car drives past mm. if it was a red ferrari you'd probably notice it but if i say did you did you notice the missing windscreen wiper on the on, on that car or what color was the number plate or how many doors did it have the chances are you wouldn't know unless you were just trying to work out how many two-door red ferraris am i going to see today <laughs> So it depends on, you, we don't, the body, in terms from a survival point of view, it, it sort of notices the things that it needs to notice. So if, we, if you're going to walk out of your office or school or something in the UK, you are not going to expect um, a snake to be hanging down from a tree or be hit on the head from a falling durian fruit or, you know, a rhinoceros charging at you. You're not going to expect that. It, but when you cross the road, you're going to make sure that, you know, there's no cars or buses about to run yeah. you over. So the, we, we, we get schooled and, and trained into the things that we need to know about. So I've had a good time in the last year or so to reflect on my last 25 years. And, you know, why did I f- get so interested, fascinated, obsessed and create this sort of concept that actually our relationship with food is multi-sensory. And by that, it's not just sound, sight, touch, sense, uh, um, uh, smell and, and, and taste. It's, it's, our, it's our, the awareness of ourselves and, the aware, and, 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 our, and our emotions, in particular our emotions. Now, I just want to pause here briefly because over the past year, I think all of us have had to find ways to innovate and strive to survive through the challenging times and no more so than all you small business owners out there everyone from you know running kitchens to restaurants to cafes and everything in between i think we've all figured out ways to adapt and innovate and survive and hopefully now it feels like things are blossoming again and it's the perfect chance to grow and you know expand what we do and what we love and the great news is one of our sponsors is here to help you do that because the best way to grow is by finding the right people to help you grow your business and LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you do that for free. 
That's right, LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn, the global business community. Well, they have a jobs platform now, which feels like the perfect link up there. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with more than 30 million members in the UK alone. And getting started is easy. Their new features can help you find qualified candidates quickly and these are the right people for your job not time wasters what you can do is you post a job with targeted screening questions and then they'll quickly get the role in front of qualified candidates using all the algorithms and access to qualified people they have you can manage the job posts and contact candidates from a single view on a familiar linkedin.com and you can do it from your mobile device no matter what time of the day you fancy posting job adverts when your business is ready to start making that next hire and blossoming into the grand future we're all looking forward to find the right person with linkedin jobs and the great news is you can now post your job for free just visit linkedin.com slash heston that's linkedin.com slash heston and you can post your job for free again that's linkedin.com slash heston to post your job for free terms and conditions apply but this is a fantastic opportunity to get your job filled with the exact right person right let's dive back into some water I came across some work done by an American in 1960-something called Cleve Baxter. He was, a, he was a hypnotherapist or hypnotist who also worked for the FBI. He famously hypnotized an FBI agent to give away classified information. So he went to work for the FBI and he invented the lie detector machine. And in fact, in San Diego, the world center of light for lie detector machines is the Clee Baxter center. He, he died a few years ago, late mid late nineties. And what he did, which in the sixties is he connected his lie detector machine to a plant. And when he came into the, his lab, he noticed that one of the things on the spike, the needle went up. So he wrote that it was as if this plant was aware that he was in the room. So he was bashing the leaf and dipping it in hot water and didn't get any response. Anyway, he thought about burning the leaf. And that thought about burning, the, about burning a leaf of the plant, that intention created a spike. So then he did all sorts of tests on food and he took an astronaut who was in his 80s, ex-astronaut, I think he's on the board of Stanford or Harvard University. And they synchronized watches. He took his saliva and put his saliva in a Petri dish and connected the um, polygraph. Is it polygraph? Polygram. Polygraph. The, the polygraph. That's the lie one, isn't it? Yeah. He connected the polygraph to uh, put the sensors in the Petri dish of this man's saliva. Thinking, okay, the proteins are going to stay active for at least eight to 10 hours. And they synchronized watches. And the, the, this ex-astronaut flew uh, 300 odd miles 400 miles to Cleveland to go and see his son. And he had three spikes. I think it was three, certainly two spikes in the machine. And when the guy came back, they looked at the time of the spikes. One was when he thought he was going to miss his plane. And the other one, his son had an accident, car crash. He was okay. And so this is all connects to quantum theory where everything or string theory, everything in this, in this life on this planet vibrates. Everything. There's nothing that is stationary. It's just we can only see some of the. We can only see a very small percentage, or feel as consciously a small percentage of the vibrations. So, light is a vibration. Sound, audible or inaudible, is a vibration. Emotion, energy, emotion is a vibration. So this guy was picking um, up on his emotional spikes through the saliva he yeah, had the saliva. on the other side of the, of the country. Yeah, this is yes. crazy stuff, right? This is this it's, is proper yeah. X Filesy, really. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's amazing. But this is all also connected to when you're, you know, there's a lot of uh, the more aware you become, the more moments of coincidence seem to happen in your life. Yeah. So connection, and the the levels, you know, I remember seeing um, but um, how was that a QI Stephen Fry that great quiz show, all sheep. I might get my dates wrong, but it, maybe in the 60s or 70s, all sheep maybe in Europe learned to roll over cattle grids within a few months of each other. That was, a, that was a que an answer of a question on QI. Oh, fantastic. How did they do that? There's no sheep um, telegram, but maybe there is. Look at you and I. Uh, now the three of us are talking through Zoom. Yeah. We're connected. 
So I'm seeing you. There's vibrations that connect us. If there wasn't any vibrations, I mean, you're there on the screen. Sound vibration, yeah. But you're there on the screen. So it's, <clears throat> everything's vibrating. So, um, you know, with my, me reflecting over the, why was I so obsessed about this our relationship with food? the effect of the senses, the effect of imagination and memory. I'd, I'd go, so as I, I, it took me everywhere from, from quantum physics to Newtonian theory, from, from relativity to studies on Paleolithic man, from, from um, uh, Big Bang and the formation of the elements through to global warming, from, um, plankton in the bottom of the sea to reptilian behavior and dinosaurs and meteorites everywhere. And in the process, it became this humongously exciting but frustrating because it's so complicated subject or so big. I realized that the thread that connects all life is water. Without water, there's no life. So if you imagine that, and it's all there's vibration. So water is the mechanism to transfer vibration. So if you look at the sea, you can see the sea's vibrating. And if, if you have a wave crashing or a wave lapping or a boat goes by or a water skier goes by or a bird lands on the surface, there's varying levels of ripples. And those ripples or stroke waves that lap or crash will all have different effects over different periods of time. The, the turbulence is it's a force of energy. Now, just because that, that's the water that we can see, which is 90s, 7%, as you said, 98% of all water on, on earth is, is actually the sea. And what's underneath the bottom of the sea, there's even more water. Um, however, there's still water in the air. So those ripple effects you see on the sea, they're also in the air. We just can't see them. We can feel them if the wind's blowing. We can hear them if, they, if, there's, a, if there's an explosion or somebody's mowing their lawn or you can hear music. We can hear those ripples. We can see when, you know, we see flashing lights or a police car going by or neon light. We can see those, those they're waves. They're all, they're, they're both waves and particles. And water is the sort of super highway that enables all of these vibrations to connect. That means not only 70 percent of the food that we eat is water, but 70% of our bodies are water. Yeah, and when we're cooking, all we're ever doing is transferring water from out or, or into it boiling exactly. it frying it i mean even mm. down to your fundamental meat fry, you know frying meat doesn't keep in the juices that was about transfer yep. of moisture yep. and water right it, yeah, exactly so after what Cleve baxter did coming back to this this guy after he did saliva he was either he was measuring um the effect he was eating foods in front of in front of the ingredients <laughs> was he and what he, he's yeah. mad as a now box of frogs. It's a shame we couldn't get him on. He sounds yeah. brilliant. But he, I mean, he, he devoted his life to, to, to looking at this further after he left the FBI for, on plants. If you, because a plant is a living thing, just like a cow so is. So he'd eat a carrot or in or front oyster, of a carrot plant. Or a dolphin. See, it's, it's, yeah, and he found the difference that if you had gratitude, now they're calling it, they're not suggesting that plants understand what gratitude is. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Gratitude is a word invented by human so beings. Like positive thoughts. However, it's a positive. So you, you're grateful. What keeps the food chain in balance, what would do, what human beings have tended to, we've bucked the system. If you give gratitude and appreciation for what you eat, remember we did the mindful raisin yeah. test. Then you value more mouthfuls of food. You appreciate more. You imagine that somebody, whether it's a human being or a plant, or bacteria in the soil has worked hard so that that food can get to you. Uh, Cleve Baxter wasn't the first person. There were people that were doing it before him. Since then, there was a couple of French scientists, one that got really annihilated for, for, for the, this sort of this approach in the 80s. Now, this idea that water is the, tra is the vibrate, the, 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 what's the word? The conduit. Sort of, the super high ray or conduit. Yes, thank you. Great word. To energy transfer or connectivity so the, the 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 resistance the resonance the coherence of vibrations that is now becoming more uh, becoming harder to actually rebuke or refute and it's sitting for me in a really exciting area in our lives in the in that it's no longer served for just the thing of weird 
pseudoscience spirituality, yet the science world hasn't yet found the way to measure. We'll never be able to measure everything. But remember this, the smallest thing that we know, but we can't measure it, is called the plank. That's 10 to the minus 35 times smaller than a human being. The largest thing that we know is the known universe. That's 10 to the plus 26. So the smallest thing is 10 times 10, 11 times smaller than us, than the universe is bigger. Infinitely smaller is a lot harder to imagine than infinitely bigger. However, we are water and microbes, 120 trillion of them roughly in each of us. So we're a walking universe inside a universe and inside us, there's universes inside universes and they all connect through vibrations through water. So I, I got this, I thought what was um, incredible about this is that we know what to do with water. We drink it, we cook with it, we wash and bathe in it, we water our plants with it, we manufacture with it, we power things with it. It's got so many unique attributes, you know, it, the reason we're digging into this now as well is because, as you said, it sits in this fantastic sweet spot between proven science and crazy guys in a, in a garage. There's something fantastic. In the, and the reason that we're sharing this and you want to talk about it with all our listeners out there is because this is a kind of experimental place where you want to talk about these theories and we want to get this stuff out there so yeah. that you guys out there can also get involved and add your theories to it. And these things can evolve because this is very much the work you're fully immersed in now, isn't it, Heston? You don't know the answers yet. You just know lots of questions and are trying to connect all these little dots. And also, this is our very first podcast on water. This is a big overview. <laughs> guys, bear with me, bear with us, because it is so complicated and so fascinating. It is our life. Water, we take it for granted. And something that is on the surface is so simple, is yet so complicated and we're only just beginning to realize that there is a there is a whole new universe or a whole universe to be discovered i did a pod uh, an interview recently with uh, claudia lovely claudia, claudia winkleman yeah. Uh, winkleman yeah and she asked me what was i doing what, what did you do what, what have you been doing and i said i've been talking to my jars of rice now on the face of it it does sound heston's gone mad he's talking to rice uh, but I, after, you know, the, the evolution of the, of, the, of the last, say, 50, 60 years of this work, one person that really devoted his life to this was a guy called Prof Professor Imuto, Imoto, Professor Imoto. And he uh, has done many experiments on water. And so he took water from different sources of water, so the rivers or waterfalls or wherever, and then subjected them to... Um, music, different types of music from heavy metal to Beethoven and Mozart, emotions, for example. And then he froze them at minus 20 to minus 25. And the formation of the crystals, incredible. So if you, like, if you look at a crystal that's formed after listening to heavy rock or one that's listened to Beethoven or Mozart, the Mozart or Beethoven one is a beautiful sort of symmetrical hexagonal, a bit like a, a beautiful snowflake. The one with heavy rocks got a big hollow gap in the middle of it. And he did this experiment where you gave a jar of, three jars of rice and same rice, same water. And every morning you put the, line them up and every morning you give one love and gratitude. But you can say that you can, you give, you can talk to it, but like people talk to, you know, they talk to plants and trees when they yeah. garden. The one on the other's end gets uh, useless, idiot, stupid, anger. Using it. And the one in the middle is ignored. And after, let's say, up to two months, to do this every day, after a couple of months, we've done this a dozen times, um, the jar with the love and gratitude goes, the water goes slightly golden. Emoto never looked at the smell. So we started actually smelling it. It smells slightly sweet or honeyed, floral and fresh cheesy fermented in a pleasing way the one that's been given the negative emotions goes like an overripe cheese but the one that's ignored in the middle rots the smell is putrid and it's happened every single time and in muto's argument is imagine if our emotions can do this to rice in water what can they do to ourselves and each other and ikea 
you can look at this online, took up a combination of Imuto's work and Cleve Baxter's work with his plant that he wired up to. And they, through Asia, his schools in Asia, I think Singapore and other countries, they had Bully a Plant campaign. You can see it on YouTube as an advert. Really? And they got kids every morning to go to school and bully one plant and the, not the other one. And the other plant starts to die. And that's his point. Did they really? Emotion. Yeah. And, and this is very relevant to, 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 to COVID because mental wellness, when we are stressed and when, especially when we're not aware how stressed we are, it creates inflammation. It also changes the level of acidity of our, in, our, in, our, in our bodies. So, so neutral water, distilled water is 7 pH. You can change the structure of water by, by changing, by putting vibrations to it. So you put it in a singing bowl, for example, and bash the singing bowl a few times, it becomes a bit thicker. Doesn't, I don't notice any change in flavor, but the texture, the texture changes. So the vib- it slows down the vibrational energy. When you're stressed, when you're excited, you have a higher frequency. It's more energetic. When you're calmer, it's why one of the things of meditation, you calm your mind. It actually affects the water structure in your body. Think about the effects on this, not only when you're eating, also when you're, you're cooking as well. Think about a, a restaurant where everyone takes an awful lot of time and care and attention over something they're doing and a place where it's being rushed 100%. through and thrown around and no one's really considering what they're doing with it. That's... Yeah, cooking with love. And why do you think uh, most people's grandmothers, for example, roast potatoes are always the best? I never thought of it like that. It's fascinating watching you evolve this. Because I remember when I came to France before all this COVID carry-on kicked off and you you were banging on a gong, giving me thickened water. And I was, you know I was cynical about this whole thing just because I was like, what, really? It's just water. And Mm. the more you've talked about it, the more you've honed this theory and the more time you've spent on it. And look, I know it's still an absolute work in progress. But the thing about it is it's... It's sparking curiosity. I've just when you were talking just now, I was thinking, you know what I've never done? I've never drunk a cup of rainwater. I've never stuck a cup on my roof and drunk rainwater just to see what it tastes like. Ah, so tr- try. You know, I did in France. I'm not sure when when I first came to France. In the winter here, they they, they have lightning. Unbelievable. The light here is incredible. That a lightning storm, which was you know those old fashioned flash photography photograph. Uh, those old fashioned flashes, the old fashioned cameras. It, the sky lit up like that. So I took, I remember rambling on to James about this, and I took some water from the tap, two bowls, left one inside and put the other outside just with the lightning. And it wasn't, it wasn't that much, um, I think the rain might have stopped, but the lightning carried on, tasted the two waters. One had been activated. There's a TED talk on this, plasma activated water. So lightning is effectively, is, it, it is plasma. So the, the energy, the, the, the intense condensed energy in, in, in lightning had changed the structure of the water. It was marked, markedly different. And we've done some tests here um, in France where we, we took some water, a singing bowl, and we've got these little speakers that you can change the frequency. And we uh, did it with uh, water from the tap, water from the singing bowl, um, and I had some crystals at the water. But particularly the singing bowl one, you could taste the difference in the water from the tap and the singing bowl. Then we used both of those waters to make nut milks, almond milk, hazelnut milk, etc. And that's just basically just blitz. You just put the nuts in the milk. And obviously the way that they're blitzed would also, could also potentially have an effect. However, the milks that were produced tasted different than we made ice creams from them and they tasted different. <laughs> this is where it can lead you, isn't so, it? This is... Yeah. I mean, We really want you guys out there it, to get involved with this as well. And, and, and this is a, a very theoretical place and a gentle, safe place. Send in anything you've ever been intrigued about with water, any thoughts you've had, any of those things where you've gone, that's weird, what's that? And not told anybody because you've been where going well, it's just water right no one's going to take me because this feels like like we're standing on the tip of an iceberg that you're exploring here and there's tons more to talk about yeah that'd be amazing also just before we clock off one thing i think to remember is that I, i'm we, james and i have also spoken about this a lot um a lot that i've found in the past when i started discovering these things about how the shape of letters or the piece of music you listen to for example can change your perception of of flavor of say a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or something um 
there were people where in my excitement, I said, let's try this. And they might, they might, they might not notice a difference, but at the same time, you know, we talk about the importance of the, of the placebo effect and it's, it's not, well, that's because you told me. Well, hang on a second. If the fact that I've told you, now try and stop yourself from thinking it. So <laughs> the placebo effect is not a con. If you believe something to be, if you believe in something. Oh, it's hugely powerful. Then it can much more sort of manifest itself. If you believe you're going to get sick. So if you're drinking water, thinking, if I don't drink my litre of water a day, I'm going to get ill. Then you're drinking water with, uh, uh, with, a stress, with stress because you're drinking water motivated by fear. You look at kids when they're thirsty. Oh, my God, that glugging noise they make. Pick the <laughs> big cup up in their hand, little hands and they glug the water. And the pleasure they get from glugging that water means there's going to be an exchange of emotion. Just like if somebody's in a room and sulks, it can spread. Or when somebody has a happy, what's the word, you know, a happy sort of aura around them, it also spreads. It's another form of vibrational energy. It's a form of kind of positive or negative virus, I suppose. And to put this in a context we can all understand, apparently it takes 75 litres of water to make one pint of beer. So that makes you much more aware of water when you know that. That's uh, And think of all the love that's been put into that. And I certainly appreciate those when we get to, <laughs> get to drink those together. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not long now um, Heston this has been remarkable we have unfortunately run out of time but this is something we do want to revisit because this is exactly the point of this podcast is to try and evolve these theories and, and really push deeper into things we don't necessarily understand um, so this is this has been really yeah. enlightening it's my, I mean I, I love for, for all you guys listening any thoughts would love because the, we're going to keep on coming back to this because it is, it is the most essential thing that we physically consume. There's so much still to discover. If, if any of you guys out there find this fascinating, interesting, or a load of old baloney, still love to hear. Absolutely. At Heston's podcast on Instagram, hestonspodcast.gmail.com. For now, though, we have run out of time. We need to give James a chance to escape from the V&A in his dress anyway. So for this week, James... Thank you very much. Good luck, Heston. Yeah, sorry, guys. I, 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 yeah, we, we, went, we went through my, 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 this is almost, you know, the heart of my life's work now. So I just talked at you both uh, and all you dear listeners. So apologies. We will have revisit this again. But for now, thank you. That was brilliant. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where this takes us, this adventure in, in water. Thank you, chaps. 